You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our AIB Weekly Market Talk update. Today is Tuesday the 8th of June. My name is Cormac Canan from AIB Treasury and I'm joined today by Oliver Mangan, AIB's Chief Economist, to discuss the latest market developments. Ollie, the OECD released its mid-year update for the global economy last week. What were the key highlights and what is the outlook for the next couple of years? Yeah, it was quite an upbeat forecast from the OECD. We've seen one earlier from the IMF. And uh, I suppose what they're taking on board is activity this year is trending much better than had been anticipated. First of all, in the first quarter, there was broad-based lockdowns across Europe, uh, restrictions in the U.S., but we've already seen from GDP data that activity held up better than expected. Um, as the IMF called it, companies and firms are getting better used to adapting what they call, to what they call pandemic life. And then obviously with the rollout of vaccines happening rapidly, initially in the States and in the UK and more recently across Europe, uh, economies are opening at a quicker than expected pace in the second quarter and activity is proving stronger than expected. And we saw that from very, very strong PMI data, you know, right across Europe, uh, in the UK, and in the States, uh, probably for the month of May. So economies are certainly gaining momentum here. We've also had additional fiscal stimulus in a lot of countries, which have raised gross prospects. So on the back of that, the IMF uh, raised its outlook for the world economy this year. It's forecasting close to 6% growth, and it expects robust growth to be sustained next year, forecasting growth in around 4.5%. So... um, that's well up from its end year forecast that would have produced uh, around Christmas of last year. And indeed, there was an update, a shortened update provided in the spring. So there's been continuous updates over the last six months to the uh, projections for global growth as the recovery and activity gains momentum. Now, what the OEC did say, though, was that the, uh, it pointed out that the recovery and activity is uneven and it's proceeding at pace in economies that are well advanced in terms of their vaccination programs. It did point out that for a lot of emerging economies, you know, vaccinations are slow and the recovery there will be slower. And it also raised flags that, you know, in terms of downside risks that still remain for global growth with large parts of the world population not have been vaccinated. The risks of, you know, various mutations developing which prove resistance to vaccines, etc. So it's not that we're out of the woods completely or anything like that. I mean, the OECD and the IMF are advocating as rapid as possible of a vaccination program for the world population and not just those in advanced economies. But overall, it was a very upbeat analysis in terms of the growth prospects for uh, both 2021 and 2022. And also it noted that the, I suppose, the, the quicker than expected recovery in economic activity, the fact that firms over the winter seem to be able to cope better with the uh, lockdown and, and activity than it, than what occurred in the spring of 2020, and also the additional fiscal stimulus and supports being provided suggested that the, you know, the fears there of what we call long-term scarring effects have abated somewhat. In, in other words, there's, there's a lower risk now of long-term damage being done to economies in terms of you know high business failures, high levels of buy, bad debts, parent unemployment, you know, those sort of features that often follow a recession. So uh, as I say, it, it was an upbeat analysis of the current situation and an upbeat outlook in terms of the growth prospects for the second half of the year and in 2022. 
Thanks, Holly. Um, Irish GDP rebounded strongly in quarter one from uh, quarter four last year and also on a year on year basis. Is it fair to say that the Irish economy is in a is in fairly good shape despite the global pandemic? Yeah, well, uh, that comes with the usual health warnings around Irish GDP data. When you look at GDP, it's the total output of the economy. It gives a very misleading picture because it can often be badly distorted by the export activity of, of large Irish multinational corporations. And of course, they repatriate a lot of their profits. Just to give you a flavour of, of how where the figures can be, uh, Irish GDP, as you say, increased by 8% in the quarter when we were in lockdown. But if you allow for profit repatriations, GMP, uh, which is gross national product, actually contracted in the quarter by uh, 1%. And then the domestic side of the economy contracted by 3%. So the GDP figures, I don't want to say ignore them, but you've got to take into consideration the profit outflows and what's happened in the domestic economy uh, as well. Now, having said all that, there's no doubt that the domestic economy performed better than expected in the opening quarter of the year. Uh, and overall, exports performed strongly as well. So you are right. Activity held up better than anticipated in the domestic economy. And the overall growth rate of the economy was stronger than anticipated. Now, it is certainly the case that global, you know, we've talked about the OECD upgrading its global forecast this year, and we are an exporting nation. So uh, it is not a surprise to see Irish exports performing well as the global rebounding activity gets is well underway. And again, we export to you know, the UK, the US and the EU or the Eurozone where vaccination programs are well advanced and activity is picking up momentum. So we're not over we're not really reliant on let's say the emerging economies where which are further behind in terms of the recovery path because of the slowness of the rollout of vaccines there. So that benefits to us to some extent. But it's things like, you know, the decline in consumer spending was much more modest in quarter one than let's say in quarter two of last year when we saw the first lockdown of the economy. The same for domestic investment. So what I referred to earlier, the IMF talking about firms becoming better able to cope with pandemic life, that certainly came through in the Irish figures of the opening quarter of the year, both in terms of well, we knew exports were performing well, but also the domestic sector. So the, the contraction activity was nowhere near as severe as we saw uh, during the first lockdown in the spring of 2020. Great. Thanks, Ali. Um, we saw some strong Eurozone data this week, or stronger Eurozone data, I suppose. The PMIs were better than forecast and inflation came in slightly higher than expected at 2%. How do you think the ECB will interpret this data ahead of its meeting this Thursday? Yeah. As you say, the ECB is meeting on Thursday. Uh, you mentioned the rise in inflation there, and that's certainly true. I mean, inflation has picked up now to 2% in the Eurozone. It's quite a while since we've seen that. But a lot of that's been driven by higher oil prices. When you strip out the energy component, inflation is running at just 1%. So it hasn't picked, underlying inflation hasn't picked up that much. And that's what the ECB will focus on. And the ECB has been reassuring the markets that sees the rise in inflation this year as temporary and partly due to higher energy costs. And on that basis, it wouldn't be moving monetary policy. So uh, unusually for the ECB, maybe, it's been out a lot over the last two or three weeks, senior officials dampening down any expectations of markets that because of the recovery and activity and the rise you refer to in headline inflation, and it will go higher over the balance of the year, that they could be tempted to start rowing back on their monetary stimulus. So for this meeting on Thursday, the ECB has very much signaled ahead of it 
that policy will remain unchanged. They may be upgrading their growth forecasts, they may be raising their inflation forecasts, but they won't be doing anything in terms of commencing an early tightening of monetary policy. And what that means, this quarter, what we get at the beginning of each quarter is the ECB's latest forecasts for growth and inflation. So they'll have their new forecasts, as we say, next Thursday, which is June the 10th. We won't see another set of detailed forecasts until September. So you can take it, uh, not only for this meeting, but the ECB is going to keep its policy in place over the summer until into the into the autumn. Uh, and what it's been doing more recently has been engaging in very large purchases of government bonds and other fixed income assets. There was some concern it might start to scale back on these over the summer, but that really, I think, is going to be an event for the fourth quarter of the year, maybe even into 2022. So it's very much committed to its current policy stance. You know, it's clearly signaled to the markets there'll be no change in policy in the near term. So I don't want to say that the meeting will be much ado about nothing, but I think it's it's prepped the markets here that there'll be no change in policy. Don't have any concerns about that. And we will keep policy on change, certainly through the summer. I think what they might signal uh, at the meeting in June is we may review our policy framework in September on the light of data over the summer. But certainly for Thursday's meeting, the firm guidance is no change here, nothing to see. Uh, thanks, Ali. Moving to the US now, um, US non-farm payrolls came in lower than forecast last Friday, following on from a disappointing April number. Would you have any concerns about the um, US economic recovery? Um, you are, you know, the, the figures weren't as weak as we saw. They were May data that came out on Friday, right? So uh, payrolls rose, I think, was about over 500,000. Somewhat shy of expectations. The forecast is around 650. The, the April figure was much weaker. I think it's fair to say, and we've only got to look around Ireland in terms of the health wanted signs and a lot of shops and what have you, that there's ongoing income support measures for households. And the same applies in the States. Uh, and we still have ongoing concerns amongst workers about traveling to work, COVID, etc. And in that sort of environment, we are seeing only a slow return or normalization of labor markets. So there obviously is a, an increase in employment. We can see that with the with the non-farm payrolls in the U.S. But the pickup in employment growth is not as rapid uh, as maybe economists would like to see. And it's still the case that, you know, payrolls in the U.S. are still about 7.7 million below where they were. The COVID crisis or pandemic struck uh, in the first quarter of last year. So I think what it suggests, you asked me about the ECB and the same questions being posed by the Fed. And and affairs at central banks have said it'll take some time to get back to uh, more normalised economic conditions here. And the speed at which the labour market is normalising would suggest that that will encourage central banks to give the recovery time. For whatever reason, you know, workers are maybe not returning as quickly to the labour force as might have been anticipated. I say there's probably still fears there around catching COVID. There's ongoing income support being provided by all governments. So there's a more cautious response on the labour market side. The one fear you would have is that a risk would be that if, if that shortage of workers puts pressure on employers to pay up in terms of higher wages, well, then the rise in inflation we're seeing this year could become a more permanent feature, and that will be a concern. So I think, but but near term, what it suggests is this is going to take some time for particularly labour markets to fully recover. And unemployment rates are not that high uh, in, in economies like the UK and Germany and the US. So it's, it's more, you know, workers are, are slow about coming back into the labour force and taking their time in that regard. And it might just well be, particularly during the summer, that people see have a changed 
let's say, lifestyle balance, prefer more free time, prefer to work less. So it, it looks like it'll be a slower recovery in the labour market than we have been anticipating. But for now, given the amount of stimulus in there and what have you, growth prospects remain strong. It may curtail somewhat the speed of the recovery in economic activity. It's not something we'd want to see lasting into well into the second half of the year because it could have implications then either for wage inflation or for a full recovery in terms of lost output if the workers are not just there. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, now again, I, I have to say the May figure wasn't very weak. It was still a very large increase in uh, employment in the US. But there have been talk, no, it wasn't in the forecast, but there have been talk we, we could see payrolls rise maybe by a million. So it's well shy of that. And, you know, the figure in the back of your head is still, I mean, the US economy is opening up. There's a lot of job vacancies out there, apparently about 8 million, according to survey data. And yet we see the level of employment, or the numbers on payrolls, still about, you know, close to 8 million below where they were before the uh, pandemic struck. So there's a long way to go before we f- see the labour market returned to its pre-COVID levels, if you like, in terms of the number of people at work in, in the US economy. And I'd be interested to see how we fare here as the economy reopens over the second half of the year. Obviously, there are sectors which are far from getting back to normal. There'll be restrictions on their activity. But uh, it would be interesting to see how quickly we see numbers fall on the pop and number of workers back in employment, how much that picks up over the remainder of the year. Thanks, Ali. Finally, on to uh, currencies. Uh, the major currency pairs have uh, traded in a relatively narrow range recently, Ali. Um are we likely to see any change um, in the coming weeks? Yeah, unlikely. I mean, I, we referenced the ECB earlier on. No great change there. The Bank of England and the Fed meet later on in June as well. There'll be no changes there. Now, in the run-up to Friday's payroll report last week, we saw a bit of dollar weakness on expectations that we could get a strong payroll number. And there were whispers in the market, if you like, of a very strong figure that that didn't materialise. So the dollar gained some ground on Wednesday and Thursday in anticipation of um, a strong payroll number. It didn't materialise, so the dollar fell back again. But the overall movements are pretty limited. I mean, dollar-euro has been confined to, you know, 121 to 123. Uh, I remained within that range last week. And as regards sterling the euro, it seems to be absolutely stuck at 86p for the last two or three months. So uh, as I said before on the podcast, that's not too much of a surprise in the context where there's a strong recovery in all the main economies, but central banks are showing no signs of moving to take their foot off the accelerator uh, in terms of tightening monetary policy. So as a result, the, the main currency pairs have been within very narrow ranges over the last three or four months. And really, I have to say, that's what we'd like to see over the, over the summer, uh, over the next three or four months. Uh, because as it, with the, the Fed, the ECB, the Bank of England all meeting this month, uh, they're not going to move. I don't really see them having a serious review of monetary policy until September at the earliest. And when it, the vaccine rollout's continuing, economies regaining momentum, that just points to, um, you know, probably most likely currencies remaining within those very, I suppose, well-defined trading ranges we've seen over the last three or four months at this stage uh, or the summer months. Ali, thank you for your analysis and thanks to our customers for listening. To stay up to date on financial markets, please press the subscribe button to AIB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android. For those customers impacted by COVID-19, you can find details of AIB's support packages at www.aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Talk to you soon. 
Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.